Thank you so much for being here today. We are so grateful that you are joining us on Walk Together Fiercely podcast. And we are even more grateful and full of so much reverence to be recording this on the traditional lands of the Tekemlips de Sequemic within the traditional and unceded territory of Sequemic. Hi, Michelle. Good morning. We're back, but this one we're not starting with giggles like usual. We're not. No, we're definitely not. Uh, as many of you know, uh, Tara and I live in Kamloops, BC, Canada, and we live in the community where 215 bodies of children were discovered on the former residential school site oh, this week. Stomach sick and me want to cry. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a heavy couple days in our community. So first and foremost, uh, we want to clarify a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Tara and I are white girls. Mm-hmm. We grew up in loving homes, privileged, and we have absolutely no right to speak about this in a way like we think we understand because we don't. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is speak about this and help create awareness, conversation, and most importantly, positive action. What can we do moving forward to do better than our ancestors and the people that lived here before us and the people that made these decisions did? What are we going to do about that now? because we weren't the ones that were here making those decisions, but we are living in a community that constantly deals with the repercussions of this systemic racist system. Mm -hmm. I hope I've said it right, because the last thing you and I want to do is offend anybody or think that we are an expert in this. We're not. We're just simply two humans who are hearing this story, um, feeling it deeply, and feeling the severe injustice of what has occurred. And we cannot sweep it under the rug. It needs to come up. Thank you for that, Michelle. You held the space while my body's kind of freaking out. I'm, it's so sad. I've spent the last couple of days crying and I have young children. And if one of my children was taken from me or died, my world would be shattered. And in our community, 215 children. And, and likely more, Tara. Oh, and all over Canada more. Like Yes, this is one, this is one school. <sighs> there were, they were dotted all across our country. So we wanted to share some information. I am part of the College of Naturopathic Physicians, British Columbia, and they had their annual general meeting this year. And they brought on the most beautiful soul as a speaker. Her name is Shannon Bocamp. And check out her website. We will share it on our Instagram. She shared so much information. It left me laying on the ground crying 
just my heart breaking as a mom wanting to love and protect these children that were put into these schools that were taken from their families and it's just heart-wrenching so we wanted to share a bit of information so that as a collective we can start looking at this so that we can be brave in our hearts to look at this to not look away so that we can move forward doing better yeah absolutely so the residential schools here they were from the 1870s to the 1990s and the last one in Canada closed in 1996 that absolutely blows my mind I don't know why I didn't know that before Tara but I Mm. didn't I don't know how many people understand that. No. 1996. Yeah. My youngest son was born that year. Mm-hmm. I was 10. Yeah. So there were 150,000 children in these schools. But the impact and the ripple of this, that's 300,000 parents. That's 600,000 grandparents. That's aunts and that's uncles not included in those numbers. This has affected millions. And this trauma has just trickled down generationally. And that's how it's still affecting us today. Yeah. So these residential schools were funded by the government and run by the church. The point of them was to educate and assimilate Aboriginal children into white culture. There were 132 federally supported schools in Canada. And their sole objective was to remove and isolate children from their home, their family, their tradition, and their culture. And I have a quote written here that the objective was to kill the Indian in the child. It's, it, it, it was... It was. An attempt at cultural annihilation. Yeah, cultural genocide. They were banned to speak their native language, and they were forced to practice religion. They were forced to do labor. The living conditions were unsanitary. It was cold. The food was garbage. It's And this is based on stories from survivors that have been brave enough to share the truth of their experience because so many people stay silent, Mm -hmm. stay quiet. Well, in our community actually had one of the largest residential schools in Canada. Yeah. So it ran from 1890 to 1969, where that would have been funded by the government but operated by the church. And in 1969, the government took over the operation and changed it to a day school. And that continued till 1978. It's not that long ago. Gosh, it's not. And if you Google any of this residential school in in Canada, the image that comes up all over the internet is a picture of Thomas. And, oh... It, oh, it makes my body shake. Um, so this was a media 
attempt to spread awareness of the necessity for residential schools to get more funding. So they dressed him as Indian as they could, and they put a pistol in his hand. And this was to make, oh, I'm shaking. This was to make him look savage. And then they cut his hair, which is culturally devastating for him. And then they dressed him to look Euro-Canadian Catholic. And he was six or eight in the photo. And this sweet soul died at the age of 12 from tuberculosis. And when he was put into the Regina Residential School in Saskatchewan, he, he wasn't you they didn't get to use their name so he was number 22 and that was the name that he got moving forward and because the living conditions were so horrid when things like tuberculosis hit it spread rampantly and they lost so many kids I saw in the statistics that about 24-25% of children that went into residential schools died. But this number is grossly understated. Yeah, absolutely. Even the ones in our community, those are not, they aren't finding documents no, for those. No, they're not, they're undocumented so that thus far. So the numbers I've seen are 3,200, 4,100, 6,000, whatever amount of deaths that they can document but the thing is so many were un undocumented or these documents were destroyed or the children that were very, very sick and about to die, they'd be sent home to die and these would be unaccounted for as well. So there's lots of lost lives here. I think, you know, we're having a hard time holding back our tears. Mm. Um, I think that I just wanted to say that your children were one of the first things that came to my mind yesterday because mm -hmm. I think about how beautiful, curious, precocious, um, energetic, and just full of wonder and curiosity and, and love for, you know, certain things in the world that they just are drawn to. They are absolutely like so many of these children would have been just being themselves, just being children, and then being taken away from everything that they've known, everybody who loves them, and put into a place that is, as you described, and I'm sure that is just the tip of the iceberg, uh, that it's much more than we can even come close to comprehending. And that beautiful culture that that because it is in it is such a beautiful culture there are so many things that this culture is getting right if you go back to the roots the ceremonials the sacredness of their being it's absolutely breathtaking it's beautiful and having that you know educated out of you oh my god Oh my God. Mm -hmm. That hits me with a lot of grief because there is so much culture lost that has been lost because of this. Mm -hmm. And this is government mandated. Like there's the Indian Act and this is how this was all legal that Aboriginals were not 
allowed to leave their reserve without written permission and they only granted a few written permissions a year and they were not giving it to parents to go and visit their kids at these schools because they didn't want that. Hmm. They didn't want the cultural ties. They really wanted to break that. So how much culture is lost, Mm -hmm. it's just, Mm -hmm. it's devastating. Absolutely. And this Indian Act still exists today. I don't really think there's words for that. There's not. Uh, We hear so much about um, truth and reconciliation. And, you know, I feel a couple of different ways about this because the truth is important. It needs to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. You know, a huge part of a person's healing journey is acknowledgement. Yes, this happened to you and it was wrong. But reconciliation... I don't know, like I cannot, I can only speak again, not from a place of knowing or understanding this at a level that people in these communities do. But reconciliation seems more for our Western society to kind of make themselves feel better about, you know, what happened. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you had a term, uh, say the term for me again, Tara, it was. This was Shannon's term. Okay. Reconciliation. There you go. Yeah. I don't think that it's about us trying to find a way to feel better about what happened or not take responsibility. It's like, what are we going to do now to do better, to help the healing process, to not, you know, hide our heads in the sand about this, but to stand fully in our truth and say, yeah, this happened in our country. This happened in the country of Canada that people consider to be like the friendliest country on Mm -hmm. the earth or one of them. There's some skeletons in the closet here and they need to be known. And I think that this is where I'm coming from saying this. So I mean, the first and foremost thing that I mean is every single one of those lives of the ones that are being discovered that have been underground for so such a long time and for the ones that will still be uncovered and for those that maybe have been known or documented their lives mattered they need to be heard they need to be seen they need to be respected and they need to be valued and we can't do that unless we allow it to come up mm-hmm. I kind of lost my train of thought. No, it's because it's so emotional. Yeah. And for me, I want moving forward, I want people to look at their stereotypes and their biases and the way we gloss over all of this because this is still has a ripple effect in our world. Because if you think that somebody's mother or grandparents or great grandparents went through the physical mental and even sexual abuse that went on in these places the lack of love care and nurturing that these children you can't expect the parenting to trickle down generationally to not have this trauma trickling down no kidding we we need the compassion yeah we need to look at these people with love and this shattered heart that what can we do to help and to make this better because it's still going on it's indigenous people are still these are the kids that are most in our foster care system and so we're still taking children away and it's for things like 
like poverty but it's like how can you expect any more when this type of trauma has rippled through these people yeah it's just heart-wrenching so we wanted to shine some light on this and we wanted to help people that have this broken heart what do we do next what's the right what's the action step so you and i are committed to learning more Mm -hmm. step one yeah and that's what we've decided uh, together is that we both want to learn more because we don't know enough Mm -hmm. we can't i don't know that we can ever fully understand but we can take steps towards understanding a little bit more and that's one of the things you and i are committed to we're also going to be speaking to people who can help with that to help us understand to help us um, to learn and to know a little bit more about this and what we can do moving forward and so as we move forward we are going to be gathering resources people information and sharing those in as many ways as we possibly can and uh, speaking as well and hearing it directly from them, Mm -hmm. uh, hearing stories directly from them that would maybe help us to understand a little bit more. Yeah, we want to bring on speakers and help you, our listeners, to understand too. I wanted to share a definition about cultural humility. Yeah, this is a really good one. So this is from the First Nations Health Authority. Cultural humility is a process of self-reflection and self-critique to understand personal and systemic biases and to develop and maintain mutually respectful processes and relationships based on mutual trust. Cultural humility involves humbly acknowledging oneself as a learner when it comes to another's experience. And I wanted to direct you, if you're looking for more information on this, to my college's website. So that is CNPBC. So if you Google Mm -hmm. the CNPBC, so College of Naturopathic Physicians, British Columbia, and along the top, you click on for registrants, and go down to the 2021 AGM. So that is our annual general meeting from this year. At the bottom of that, there are two documents. There is cultural sensitivity and humility worksheets and a presentation workbook. And she's got so many resources, books, videos. This is a great place to start our education you're going to be and we'll be sharing that online so that we can just have uh yeah a direct link to that for sure um one of the people that i just simply want to acknowledge and hopefully you have absolutely heard of this amazing human and if you haven't i really want to encourage you to seek him out Uh, He has now passed. It's Richard Wagamese, and he is a residential school survivor and one of the most amazing authors in Canada, as far as I'm concerned. Just absolutely unbelievable uh, words. Such an amazing way of expressing his experiences and sharing the experiences of others as well. Uh, A couple of the books 
that are my standout favorites are Indian Horse, uh, Medicine Walk, and Embers. And so those are books that, if you're looking to understand a little bit more, are just amazing to read. Also just want to give a shout out to um, the uh, an organization in Kamloops that uh, helps uh, Aboriginal children. And there is a GoFundMe page for the Kamloops Aboriginal Friendship Center. Uh, and so we'll share that one as well. And if you wanted to maybe help make a difference for a child, you could make a donation there. Thanks for sharing that. We'll mm -hmm. share this on our Instagram too. Yeah. So we walk together fiercely through this and we are committed to learning more and moving forward doing better. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your courageous heart to look at this pain and devastation. Keep looking, keep learning, keep loving. For anyone affected by the residential schools and the ripple effect of them, we offer our heartfelt, humble, and deep condolences with respect reverence and love there are no words please place your hand on your heart and join us for a moment of silence in honor of these beautiful souls Thank you.